0: We have a lot going on in the nation. Um, I've had more conversations about the end of the world this week than ever. I mean, it's been amazing. I've had kids walk up to me all week long, quoting scripture to me, saying, Pastor Mark, what do you think about Matthew 24? You know, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Anyway, so, uh, um, I, I, and I'll tell you what I have told them. Be ready. Be ready. If you read the New Testament, you can't help but walk away believing that those early Christians were constantly aware that Christ could return at any minute. And here we are 2,000 years later. All that means to me is we're 2,000 years closer to Christ coming back. So we need to, to live every moment of our lives expecting the return of Jesus Christ at any minute, regardless of all that might be going on around us. Uh, you know, and it is kind of strange. We've got three hurricanes and an earthquake off the coast of Mexico and a tsunami, and uh, they're talking about an earthquake up in Utah sometime soon. I've, I got a friend, or uh, not Utah, they're, they're talking about a fault line that lies underneath one of our state uh, national, what? Yellowstone, that's it. And they're talking about it shifting at any moment, causing all kinds of havoc in the, in the western part of our country. I spoke to a friend in uh, Seattle this week. He called, and uh, he was telling me that even though the uh, wildfires that are raging in the western part of the of our nation are a couple hundred miles away, it's it's as if it's raining ash. It's raining ash like snow on their on their cars. It's like the whole world is on fire if you're on the west coast. So there's a lot of things going on right now, and and, and you know. Just be ready. Just be ready. As as we used to say, get those eyes on the eastern skies, because Jesus could split them wide open at any minute. So you just make sure your heart's ready. Don't be caught sleeping. Um, we are. I'm, I'm, I've got a number of things. I'm trying to clear up some things. If you uh, want to make a donation to help with hurricane relief, we heartily recommend Convoy of Hope. Uh, there are all kinds of organizations out there right now trying to get your money. Uh, many of them tr- truthfully can't be trusted with it. Uh, Convoy of Hope, you can trust. It's an Assemblies of God organization. They ha- already uh, have trucks moving toward Irma just as they uh, helped the and are still helping the victims of Hurricane Harvey. Um, there are trucks on their way loaded with supplies. Volunteers are right now organized to help uh, in the recovery effort that uh, – uh, Hurricane Irma will, re- will require. So if you want to give through our church or if you want to give on your own, you can go to our website. you can go to our Facebook page and get that link. Convoy of Hope is a trusted trusted provider of emergency services. Uh, you can give to them with confidence. Um, also wanted to say this, we have a tropical storm moving in. Who knows where you know when it's moving in? But if you or someone you know feels unsafe in your home, or if you run into somebody that has nowhere to stay and needs somewhere safe and secure to ride this storm out, the church will be open. Feel feel free to offer the church, your church, to anyone in need. You call me, we'll come down here and make sure they have a place to stay. Is that okay? Is that clear? Don't hesitate to offer the church. You don't have to call somebody and say, hey, can I? You go ahead and offer it. You call me, let me know, we'll open up the facility here and do the best we can to take care of anyone that needs help. Okay? All right. I think that's all I needed to say as we got, as we get started this morning. We're going to get back into our series on the Ten Commandments that we're calling the Ten. And I, again, I'm going to preface this by saying it's longer than I wanted, so hang on. Okay? Hang on. I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can, but I want, uh, you to get the, uh, the full gist of the message this morning that, that I believe the Lord has for us as His people here in Calera, Alabama. Today we continue our series on the Ten Commandments that so we're calling the Ten. And I want to tell you this as we get into it. these God didn't give us these Ten Commandments so that we could be saved by obeying them. We are never saved by keeping rules. Matter of fact, I would say there's not a good rule keeper here in the room. Most of us have broken every rule in the book, given half the chance, Right? So let's just get that out of the way. God didn't give us these commandments so that we could be saved by doing them. We cannot be saved by keeping rules. We've all broken God's rules and we deserve the punishment that comes with it. Um, the rules, these commandments, only point out how far we are from being the kind of person that God has called us to be. These rules only serve to, to remind us of how much we need Christ to save us and how much we need God to forgive us. It reminds us, these rules and commandments remind us of how much we depend on God and His grace to make us the kind of person that we ought to be. So let's get that out of the way. We're not saved by keeping rules. We're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. The only way, the only way we can be saved is to admit to God that we've broken these rules and ask God to forgive us for breaking them. Jesus is the one that took the punishment for all of these sins on himself when he died for us on the cross. He died as an innocent man in our place. And if we will put our faith and confidence in him and trust that what he did, he did for us, then we, God will attribute the the price that he paid there on that cross to us and we can be forgiven for our sins. Jesus paid the price for our sins, for our rule-breaking. So God says we can be forgiven through Him, and it's on that basis. Let's be clear. It's on that basis. The fact that Jesus died in our place on the cross. It's on that basis and that basis alone that we can be forgiven and saved. We are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, not by anything we can do. We can't do it. God has to do it for us. Okay? So as I talk about these rules, I don't want it to be I don't want it to be placed in anybody's mind that I will be saved by what I do. You cannot be saved by what you do. It's what Christ has done for you. Okay? So God didn't give us these rules to save us. God didn't give us these rules to save us. God gives us his commandments so that we could know how to live and get the most out of this life he's given us how we can, we can experience a, a, a relationship with Him in all of its glory, and all of its fullness, and a healthy relationship with one another. These rules are given to help govern our lives to make sure that we enjoy healthy relationships with God and with one another. He gives us these rules for our own good. He gives us these rules for our own good, to bless us and to protect us from harm. He gives us these rules that that provide for us a foundation and a framework in which to enjoy the blessed and abundant and full and satisfying life that He wants us to have, okay? That's why these rules are given to us, not to save us, but to bless us, to protect us, to provide for us, to give us healthy relationships with Him and with one another. So, that being said, that out of the way, we're going to start looking at commandment number three, but I want to read the Ten Commandments together because I want you guys to get familiar with them and what they say. So, read them with me. They should be on the screen above my head. And who said these words? God spoke all these words. Say them with me. You shall have no other gods before Me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet. Let's pray. Father, I love You so much and I thank You for the opportunity You've given me to stand in front of this wonderful group of people to share Your Word with them. And I pray, Father, You get me out of the way. Let me simply be an instrument You use to speak Your truth and Your life into the hearts of these wonderful people. I pray, God, that You would take the blinders off of our eyes and unstop our ears and help us, O oh God, to soak in the truth that You have for us today, to embrace this truth, to realize it's life-giving properties and power. It's Your truth that sanctifies us. It's Your Word, God, that changes us and makes us more like You. So use this Word today to conform us to the image of Christ, to make us everything we're supposed to be in Christ Jesus. This is for Your glory, God. This is for Your glory. Be honored in it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The third commandment in its entirety actually reads this way in Exodus 20, verse 7. It says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Now, most of us think of this third commandment in terms of cussing and swearing and profanity, don't we? I mean, that's the way it's been presented to us. And there's truth in that, but giving God a last name that starts with D isn't the only way to break this rule, okay? And that's what I hope to cover today. Um, People misuse the name of the Lord in all kinds of ways. Back in the Middle Ages, Christian knights burned villages to the ground and priests tortured innocent people, all in the name of God. And not all that long ago, preachers here in America stood behind their pulpits and they railed against the civil rights that were being given to African Americans, again, all in the name of Jesus. Now, people do some crazy things in the name of the Lord. Uh, one of the craziest things I ever heard of happened about ten years ago in a little town in Marietta, South Carolina. And now listen to, what, listen to this little story. A woman named, and you can check it for yourself if you want to go back and read it. It's, it's kind of funny, really. Funny and a sad Sort of way, a woman named Donna Marie Redding shot her common law husband. She told investigators her husband had used the Lord's name in vain too many times, and that she shot him because Jesus told me to do it. And while being interrogated, I didn't stop. There's more to the story. While being interrogated, she began quoting all kinds of scripture. And she told police she killed her husband after the two argued over whether to play rock or country music on their radio and over who would roll the joint that they were going to smoke together. All this in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I would consider this to be a blatant misuse of the name of the Lord. So what's in a name? What's in a name? Why does God place this commandment among the ten? And why is God so sensitive about the use and the misuse of His name, and and what does it have to do with you and me in our lives? Well, that's what I want to talk about today, and I hope you're going to jot down some notes and think about how this applies to your own life. What's in a name? Why is God so sensitive about it? First, God's name represents His reputation. God's name represents His reputation. When someone has a good reputation, people say, he's got a good name. When people when, when someone has a, a bad reputation, they'll say, he's got a bad name. Because a man's reputation is based on what other people think about him, and when you hear a name, you automatically associate something with that name. For instance, if I say a name, uh, you, 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 you're, you're going to think something about these people. If I said the name Adolf Hitler... Something comes to your mind. Some, something about that man's reputation comes to mind. If I say Elvis Presley, you think about his reputation. If I say Mother Teresa, you think about her reputation. Now, none of us ever really knew Hitler. You didn't really know Elvis Presley. You didn't ever really know Mother Teresa, but we have strong opinions about them based on their reputation. Our thoughts when we hear their name, immediately go to the good side or the bad side, depending on what we believe about them. When God's name is misused, it ruins His reputation. It affects the way people think about Him and their response to Him. You get that? His name is associated with His reputation. And the second reason why God is is so concerned about the use of His name is because His name represents His character. His name represents His character. If reputation is what other people think about you, then character is who you really are. And God has carefully defined for us His character in the Scripture. God takes great pains to describe who He is and how He works in His Scripture. He wants us to know exactly who we're dealing with. And one of the names that God uses to describe himself is Jehovah. Jehovah is used 7000 times in the Bible. And Jehovah is a name that God uh, it's a name that defines God as a God who is always true to his covenant of love with mankind. So for instance in 1 John 4:16 it says God is love. That means God is continually sacrificially giving of himself. To mankind. That's who He is. That is His character. He is love. But He's not just telling us that. He's also showing us His character by what He does. Because it goes on to say in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So He's willing to pay whatever price He needs to pay to demonstrate His love to us. Because love is who God is. You get that? It's His character. His name is associated, it's tied to His character. He shows us His loving character, not just in His Word, but also in His deeds. God wants His name to be synonymous with His character. God wants His name to be used in a way that clearly reflects who He is and what He stands for. God's name represents His character, and that's another reason why He's so sensitive about the way His name is used among us. There's a third reason, though why God is so serious about His name. Because it also represents His authority. God's name represents His authority. If you you receive a phone call from someone named Donald Brown while you're eating lunch, you may or may not answer the phone. But if that caller's name is Donald Trump, whether you like Donald Trump or not, you're going to pick up the phone. Why? Because his name has clout. There's authority attached to the name Donald Trump. God wants his name to mean something. It means something. His name has clout. He is the Lord God, our Creator. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the Lord God, the All-Wise One. God's name has clout, and he wants it to stay that way. You get that? He wants it to stay that way. He's so sensitive about the use of His name, because His name represents His reputation, His name represents His character, and His name represents His authority. And that's why God has placed the way we treat His name so high on, on this uh, in the Ten Commandments. He, his name is not to be used carelessly or frivolously. His name is not to be used casually or loosely. Because God's name represents who He is and what He stands for. His name means something and it ought to mean something. And because it does, God wants His name to be respected and He wants His name to be treated seriously. I want to read the second half to verse 7 again. It says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Read what it says. For the Lord will, hold, will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. I mean, he's dead serious about this. He is dead serious about His name being treated seriously by His people. I mean, God means business here. God means business, and rightfully so. Rightfully so, I think. If you think about it, the reason so many people reject God's offer of grace and forgiveness, it's not because of God Himself. The reason so many people reject God is because God has been so poorly represented. And the name of God has been so badly misused. Come on, you can read the headlines for yourself. The hurricane hit Houston last week, right? Some preacher comes on TV and says the reason why the hurricane hit Houston is because Houston has been harboring uh, LGBT people and has been pursuing an LGBT political agenda in their city government. But what about all the Christians that got hit in that hurricane, too? What about that? You think God is going to come in there and target LGBT people because he disagrees with their lifestyle? Is that the kind of God, is that the way God wants to be represented to the world around us? That there's judgment for sin, don't get me wrong. But I'm not sure that's the best way to, to represent the name of the Lord to the people. The reason so many reject God is because He has been so poorly represented and the name of God has been so badly misused by people who ought to know better. Well, how do people misuse the name of the Lord? How do we misuse the name of the Lord In what ways do we express a lack of respect for the name of God? Well, first of all, people misuse the name of the Lord when they use it as profanity. We know that. Most of us understand this commandment in that context. Most of us already know this issue is addressed in the third commandment. we know we shouldn't use God's name as a curse word. A guy produced a tract several years ago that facetiously pointed out ten reasons why I swear. Ten reasons why I swear. Facetiously, okay? That's the key word here. I swear because it pleases my mother so much. I swear because it's a fine mark of manliness. I swear because it proves I have self-control. I swear because it indicates how clearly my mind operates. I swear because it makes my conversation so pleasing to everybody else in the room. I swear because it leaves no doubt in anyone's mind to my good breeding. I swear because it impresses people that I have more than an ordinary education. I swear because it's an unmistakable sign of culture and refinement. I swear because it makes me a very desirable personality to women and children in respectable society. I love number 10. I swear because it's my way of honoring God by bringing Him into the conversation. (laughs) Facetious. But I mean, come on, y'all. Dude, when I somebody was telling me yesterday about pulling up to a gas station or a parking... It was Cliff. Cliff's not here today. And he said some joker had his music cranked up, blasting blaring, and F'ing and GD'ing. And like, come on, man. Come on, man. What are you saying about yourself if that's what you're throwing out there? What are you saying about God? when you're using him, misusing his name in such a way. Using God's name as a way to express irritation or to punctuate an insult, it only demonstrates a lack of respect for the one who loves you so much he was willing to pay the price for your sins on the cross. Avoid using the name of God as a cuss word. Treat his name with the respect it deserves. Man, I used to curse like a sailor. Thank God, one of the first real pieces of evidence I had in my life. That God had indeed saved me was the fact that I stopped cussing. I mean, I used to cuss like nobody's business. You think you're bad? No, 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 no. You couldn't hold a candle to me. But I do remember the moment I gave my heart to the Lord. The very next day. I mean, I was 18. I don't know why I'm going off on this. Excuse this rabbit trail. But when I, I was 18, um, I really people thought I was Christian. They just didn't see me in my quiet time, my private time, my one-on-one. They didn't see me on the basketball court. That was really it. Uh, I could trash talk with the best of them and like to do it. Um, I'll never forget going to the altar on the last day of a youth camp and really surrendering my life to Christ. Up to this point, I, I had a constant struggle with, with profanity. It just came out of my mind. It was second nature. It just came out. I couldn't stop it. And uh, the next morning when I got up, I went about business as usual, you know, all the youth camp activities and all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, I thought back over the events and the conversations I had had, and I thought to myself, you know what? I didn't say one cuss word all day today. And I hadn't thought about it. Listen, listen to me. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. If you find yourself constantly cursing, constantly misusing the name of the Lord, constantly uh, using cuss words and profanity, you need to go deep and let the Lord do some work in your heart because the the problem's not here. The problem's here. Okay? This little side note. Let the Lord clean your heart up. He'll clean your mouth up too. All right. So, we can't use the name of the Lord in a profane way. In disrespectful way. But people also use God's name as an excuse. People use God's name as an excuse. You know, God gets blamed for all kinds of things. You ever notice that? He gets blamed for all kinds of stuff. I've prayed about it, Pastor Mark, but God wants me to break my promise to you. Have you heard something along those lines before? I've prayed about it, and I know I made a commitment to you, but God wants me to break that commitment. When did God ever say, break your commitments? He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But we use God as an excuse. Here's one. They repossessed my car today. That must have been what God wanted. Maybe you should have paid your car notes. (laughs) Don't pin the blame on God. You forgot to send the check-in or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But we... We blame God for all kinds of things, don't we? He becomes an excuse for us. People use God as a cover to excuse themselves. They use Him as a cover to indulge their selfishness, to get their own way. Don't use God's name as an excuse. Don't pin the blame on Him. Take responsibility for yourself. Another way that people misuse God's name is by intimidating other people. They use His name to intimidate other people. Now, some people are pros at this. They're really good at it. They'll walk up to you and say, God told me that you should, Mark. God told me that you should fill in the blank. Or they'll walk up to you and say, God told me to tell you, Kalen. God told me to tell you. Here's another one. God says if you send in your $1,000 by tomorrow... All your prayers will be answered. I mean, they use the name of God like a big stick to bring other people around to their way of thinking. Parents got to be careful about this. And please, I have parents do this to me all the time here at the church. Don't do this to me. It's really easy to pull God's name out when you're trying to get your children in line. Okay? Boy, if you don't straighten up, God's gonna get you one day. Is that really the way you wanna represent God to your children? That He's gonna get them one day? Like He's some big ogre with a hammer in His hand? That's just a blatant misuse of God's name. That's not who God is at all. Don't, and, and I've had parents do that with me. If you don't get straight, Pastor Mark's gonna get you. Don't use my name like that either. Don't use me like that. I'm I'm not the whip in your hand to bring your kids in line. I don't want to be around Pastor Mark. He scares me. (laughs) Hey, spouses, be careful. Listen to me. Spouses, be careful about it because it's really easy to use God's name to intimidate your partner into giving you what you want. I've prayed about this, and God told me it's okay to buy this car even though you say we can't afford it. We're going to buy it anyway. Because, I mean, how can you argue with God, right? And I'm really at, at, at this point. If someone walks up to me and said, God spoke to me and told me to tell you this, Pastor Mark, and I don't care how stupid it is, I'm going to look at him. and I've said this to other people before, hey, I don't argue with God. If you say God told, told me this, hey, I'm not going to argue with, with God. You know, I don't care how stupid you sound, how stupid your idea is, I'm not about to get into an argument with God. Don't use God's name as some kind of intimidation tactic to get what you want, to bring people in line with your way of thinking. That's not not the way His name is supposed to be used. The name of God is not a tool to be used to beat someone else into submission. Other ways that people misuse God's name. They misuse God's name when they try to impress you. They use God's name when they're trying to impress you. They try to prove how spiritual they are by throwing in a lot of Christian jargon. People who are really insecure in their faith sometimes tend to do this. It's as if the more times they can throw Jesus or a hallelujah or a blessed God or God said into the conversation, the more impressed you're going to be with their faith, with their walk with God. Listen, throwing around the name of God and the things of God is is a way to impress other people, but it trivializes who God is and it trivializes what He stands for. It turns God into a cliché. It turns God into a cliché. You don't have to tell me how much time you spend with Jesus. I'm going to know it by your walk. You don't have to throw around His name a lot in our conversations. People are going to know that about you by the way you live your life. So don't try to impress anyone by throwing his name around. A lot of other people use God's name impulsively. I hear this a lot, especially around some of my uh, students at school. Sometimes I point it out, other times I let it go because I realize it's just where they are. But a lot of people use God's name Impulsively, his name becomes an expression of fear, or it becomes an expression of joy or amazement. My God, look at the size of that! Or, Oh my Lord, you're pregnant! I mean, is it just me, or have you noticed how often God's name gets thrown out there like that? God, one kid walked out the door, Jesus H. Christ, Gee, man, that just grated on me. And he was out the door, I couldn't stop him before he left, but I'm like, Man, please. Please don't misuse the name of Jesus, who died on the cross to save you from your sins. He's not an expression of you know, of, of of of. He's not an expression. He's a name. He's a person. The name of God, becomes has become nothing more than an exclamation point. It's become nothing more than a word to throw around sometimes without rhyme or reason. We've we've reduced the name of God to a wow or an awesome. We shouldn't marginalize the name of God that way. We shouldn't use it impulsively. We shouldn't use His name without thinking first. And I'll tell you, I'm just as guilty of these things as the next, as the next guy. This, this kind of stepped on my toes too. In a recent survey that was taken, 66% of all Americans admitted that they have taken the, Lord, the Lord's name in vain. And more than likely, everybody in this room has to some degree, maybe even this morning. You've kind of misused his name, you've kind of thrown it out there without thinking about the ramifications. You, haven't, you, didn't, you threw it out there, you didn't think about God's reputation, his character, or his authority, you just threw it out there because it fit in the conversation somehow. But, but just throwing his name out there like that, misusing it in these ways, has only contributed to the trivialization of God in our culture. This is, this is the point I want to make here. We can try to rationalize our misuse of His name. We can try to justify it, or we can try to excuse it. But we have all contributed to the trivialization of God in our culture. We've misused His name, and we have soiled His reputation. We've misused His name, and we have misrepresented His holy and loving character. We've misused His name, and we have weakened His authority. It's no wonder that God is so serious about the use of His name. This isn't some minor issue. He's placed it third on the list of the ten. We've got to take God's name seriously and treat God with the respect He deserves. Listen to me, guys. We have to represent Him well to the culture around us. We can't afford to turn His name into a cliché. We can't afford to misrepresent Him in any way. Their only idea of who God is and what He wants to do is as we represent Him clearly to the world around us, we've got to use His name wisely and well when we use it at all. Am I making sense? Let's stop trivializing His name. Let's stop making His name a cliché. Let His name stand for what it's supposed to stand for. Goodness and mercy and kindness and love and faithfulness and purity and holiness. Let's let His name stand for what it's supposed to stand for. Salvation and healing and deliverance. Let's stop trivializing God and marginalizing God and pushing Him to the edges because we're misrepresenting Him, misusing His name. If our families and our culture have trivialized and marginalized God, it's our fault. Listen to me. I'm taking, I'm taking responsibility for this. If our culture has trivialized God, it's my fault. I'm the one that's permitted it. Because I have misrepresented His name, misused His name, marginalized it and trivialized it myself. If our kids are growing up in an increasingly secularized world where God is ignored or pushed to the side, it's us in the church who are to blame. If we don't take God seriously, then why should they take God seriously? I hope you're with me here. If we don't take His name seriously, then why should we ever expect them to take His name seriously? If we don't treat His name with respect, then how can we expect anyone else to do it? Respect for God and His name begins and ends with us. 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 And I'm asking you to take ownership of this. I'm asking you to let the Holy Spirit search your heart and life to make sure that you're not misusing His name, misrepresenting His, his reputation, character, and authority. i gotta make, I got to do the same thing for me. I can't do it for you. I can only do it for me. And I'm saying, I am taking this more seriously than I've ever taken it before. Over and over again, over and over again in the Word of God, God promises to bless those who take His name seriously. You want to live in the, in the blessing of God? Right here. Right here. Take His name seriously. And He promises blessing. Psalm 91.14 says this, Because He loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue Him. I will protect Him, for He acknowledges my name. Proverbs 18.10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Acts 2.21 And everyone who calls on that name of the Lord will be saved. His name, man. His name is above every other name. Let's not trivialize His name. Let's not marginalize God because we misrepresent Him by the things we say about Him, the way we represent Him. His name sets the captive free. His name heals the brokenhearted. His name binds up the wounds of those who are desperate and have nowhere else to turn. His name. His name sets us free. His name sets us free. Just say His name, Jesus. Just say Jesus with me. Jesus. Come on now, Jesus. Jesus. I want you to close your eyes, and I just want you for a moment to meditate on the power that's in that name. Jesus. Say it under your breath to yourself, Jesus. 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 Name above all names. Jesus, Savior, Lord, Healer, Sanctifier, Deliverer. My peace, my hope, my joy. Jesus, 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 the one who never leaves me. Jesus. 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 Let's stop marginalizing His name. Let's stop trivializing His name. His name is not a cuss word. His name is not a cliche. His name is not to be used to intimidate people to get your own way. His name is not meant to be used to impress anyone. He's Jesus. Jesus holy, blessed Son of God, Jesus, our friend, our Savior, our King, our Lord. How can we use His name correctly? How can we use the name of God correctly? What can we do to take God's name seriously in our homes so our families and our children can be blessed and live the life that God wants us to live? First of all, reverence God's name always. Reverence His name always. Respect His name for what it is. His name belongs to Him. Respect it. We should always treat God's name with highest respect. Never using God's name flippantly never using His name carelessly. We should always use His name carefully and thoughtfully. Always use it lovingly and properly. You know, the truth is, so many of us misuse His name because we really don't know who He is. We only know what a culture has told us about Him. We haven't spent time in His Word letting Him reveal Himself to us. We have taken on someone else's authority who God is and how he works, and that's a shame. We ought to get to know God for himself. If you know who God is, you'll never trivialize him again. I promise you that. Psalm 29, 2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. We should always honor the name of the Lord. Now, I don't know how that's going to play in your home. It might be this, where a program comes on TV and they begin to misuse the name of God. Maybe you need to change the channel or turn it off. And I know a lot of people say, it doesn't bother me, I can handle that. Well, maybe you can tune it out. But I want to remind you here what we've learned, that the misuse of His name bothers God. And it ought to bother us as His children. I mean, if the program were making fun of your mother or your father's name, would you continue to listen to it? Would it make you want to turn it off? If that was your father's name being dragged to the mud? Or your mother's name being disrespected? I mean, love demands action, does it not? Love demands action. You can say all you want that you love God. But the misuse of his name ought to bother you. Our homes need to be places. Listen to me, parents who are raising kids. You're living in a culture that's more and more pushing God to the side. More and more, your home needs to become more of a church than just a household. Our homes need to be places where the name of Jesus is lifted up, not torn down. The minds and the hearts of your kids need to be filled with truthful thoughts and truthful ideas about God. They need to learn to respect and cherish the name of the Lord, not trivialize it, marginalize it. How can our kids learn to trust God when His name is always being disrespected? And how can they learn to love God when His reputation is always being called into question? When His character is always being impugned and when His authority is always being diminished or ignored? How can, you, how can a child respect God when the parents won't respect God? You get that? Always reverence the name of God. Treat God's name with the respect it deserves. A second way we can honor the name of the Lord, treat His name seriously, is by representing God's name clearly. Represent God's name clearly. Listen to this verse. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. If we call ourselves Christians, then we need to not only talk like it, we need to walk like it too. Most people form their opinions about God based on the way His people represent Him to them. You get that? We are the only Bible some people may ever read. You get that? Let's get right down to where it counts in the home. I'm telling you again, moms and dads, most children will form their opinions about God based on the way you as a parent represent Him. Telling you that straight up. I was in youth ministry for a long time. My wife has been a children's pastor for a long, long time. And I can tell you this, your kids will form their opinions about God not based on what I say, or what she says, or what Sunday school teachers say, or what the youth pastor says, they will form their opinions about God based on what you say and you do. You treat God with respect, they'll treat God with respect. If you treat God as an important part of your life, the most important part of your life, they will treat God as the most important part of their life. I'm telling you, You, parents, are still the primary influencer in your child's life, and it will remain that way probably long after they even leave your home. We can't afford to drag the name of Jesus through the gutter by the way we talk and the way we live. There is too much at stake. Represent God's name clearly. I say it all the time, represent Him well. The third way you can reverence the name of God, treat His name seriously as it deserves, is to trust in His name completely. Trust in His name completely. Psalm 33 says this, "...in Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name." In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. We trust in His reputation We trust in His character. We trust in His authority. I don't care what's going on in the world around me today. I don't care how confusing it gets, how chaotic it gets. I will trust in His reputation. I will trust in His character. I will trust in His authority. I will trust in His name. You get that? His name. Trust in His name completely. Those who trust in the name of the Lord will never be disappointed in the outcome. There is authority and there is power in the name of Jesus. His name is a refuge when we're in trouble. There is authority and power in His name. There is healing in His name when we're sick. His name comforts us when we're frightened. His name brings us peace in the middle of life storms. The name of Jesus gives us the right to approach the throne of God and ask for anything we need in the time of need. Listen, Isaiah 50.10 says, Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. As citizens of heaven, we're making our way home. This life is, you know, this life is temporary. It's short. It's going to have lots of, uh, uh its fair share of dark times in this life, times when we need to see where we're where, where we're going, what we need to do, times when we need direction, times when we need to hear a voice we can trust. It's in times like this that we trust in the name of the Lord when we rely on God and trust that He will get us through this mess that we're in. Listen, learn to trust in the name of the Lord completely. Oh man, I, we're, we're reading we uh, in our... Bible class at Kingwood, we've just covered the story of Joseph. If you haven't read his story, I, I wish you would go uh, this afternoon and read it. It starts in Genesis 35, somewhere in there. It goes to the end of the book. Is that right, Kalen? Kalen's. And it, his story is one of lots and lots of darkness. I mean, he's thrown into, into a pit by his brothers. He's sold into slavery by his own family. He finds himself unjustly accused of rape and put in prison. I mean, but... He held on through it all to the promises that God had given him. And when it was all said and done, God didn't disappoint him. The fact of the matter is, a lot of us are going through dark times right now ourselves. We're not where we hope to be. We're certainly not where we want to be. And it may seem kind of dark and chaotic to you right now. And I'm telling you this This is the truth. You can trust in God's reputation, in His character, and in His authority. You can trust in His name. He's going to get you through this. If you'll just walk it out and be faithful to Him. Because that's who He is. What He did for Joseph, He wants to do for you. What He did for one, He wants to do for all. If you'll trust Him. Rely on God, He'll see you through. Okay, let's bring it to the end. Michael, would you come back? We're just going to worship the name of the Lord here at the end. That's all we're going to do. Worship the name of the Lord. If you want to, if you want to come to the altar and conduct some business with the Lord, if you've been convicted about something, I don't know. That's that's between you and the Lord. I'm not going to emotionally manipulate anybody into a, into a response to an altar call. I, I just know right now in my own heart, I, I I'm drawn, I'm drawn to to this truth that He alone is holy and His name must be reverenced in my life. And I've got to examine my own heart to see if I have represented Him well, if I have used His name correctly in my dealings with other people. Listen, this commandment says you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Now that commandment is for our own good. It's for our good that God gave us this word. And it's for the good of those around us. We need to take God's name seriously. People deserve to know who God really is. He's not someone to be marginalized or trivialized. God is God and He is worthy of our utmost respect. So the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is this. Do my words and my actions make proper use of God's name? Have I represented Him well with the words I've spoken and the things I've done? Am I building up, God, am I building up God's reputation by my words and actions, or am I tearing it down? Think about that for just a minute. Are you building up God's reputation? Are you confirming what God has said about Himself? Or are you tearing it down? Because you're speaking carelessly and frivolously because you're living carelessly, sloppy. Ask yourself this question, am I using His name in such a way that it clearly displays His good and loving character? Am I using His name in a way that properly exercises His authority? Let me say this before we get too completely done. Talk, I've, talked, I've had three different conversations, four counting yesterday, about this very thing. Where people have talked to me about how disappointed they were that God didn't come through for them. Folks, listen to me. There are people, pastors, Bible teachers, well-intentioned people, who are drawing up contracts and signing God's name to them, but God has nothing to do with that contract, it's a fraud. They're making promises in the name of God that God never made. They're misrepresenting God and who He is and what He's promised to do. The only way to be able to discern the truth from the lie is to know the Word of God for yourself. God's name has been signed to contracts that He never drew up. You hear me? You make sure you know the Word of God for yourself. Don't let people misuse His name to get what they want out of you, no matter how well-intentioned it may appear to be. Man, the world around us, is they're watching us and they're listening to us, And I really believe with all my heart that this generation is dying to know God. They want to know God. And they're going to be looking at us. Taking their cues from us. If we trivialize God, they'll trivialize God. If we misrepresent God to them, they'll pick up on those misrepresentations and believe in themselves. We need to know God ourselves. We need to know who He is. We need to know His reputation. We need to know His character. We need to know His authority so that we can represent Him well. Don't misuse His name. Take His name seriously.